Welcome to Conservation Unfiltered, a podcast all about the North American model of conservation and your chance to dive into conversations about trends, research, and outdoor activities. It's time to get wild with the 2021 Conservation Media Award-winning host, Jason Creighton. Because they're early stage companies. These are all pre-launch, pre-revenue. Um, uh, you know, the, the the best thing to be able to point to would be, you know, a year down the road, these companies are launched and they're rolling and they got 20% month over month growth, right? We, we see their success. They're getting invested in the third about scalability, whatever the case is. We can see those metrics and there's metrics that we would measure to do that. But anecdotally, I want a company to be able to turn to me during the program, and this is what they're telling me right now, and say, I could not have moved nearly as fast as I'm able to move because of what you guys are providing. Welcome back to another episode of the Conservation Unfiltered podcast presented by Conserve the Wild. I'm your host, Jason Creighton, and this is episode number 122. What is the next big thing for the outdoor industry? This week, we're going to be answering sort of at least where this idea can come from. I'm going to be talking with Phil Shellhammer about cultivating businesses in the outdoor industry. Phil is currently the director of the Greenhouse Outdoor Recreation Program, or GORP. Uh, previously, he was a mechanical engineer with an MBA and had a 20-year corporate career that focused mainly in merchandising and strategy roles within retail. During the conversation, Phil's going to tell us what GORP is, why an outdoor-focused incubator is necessary, what Bentonville, Arkansas has to offer for the outdoor industry, and what the future of GORP looks like. Hey, everybody. Once again, welcome back. Uh, I have a really interesting episode for you today. And uh, it's more than anything interesting because it's a, a crazy good idea of something that's coming out of the University of Arkansas. So as you heard a little bit in that intro, I tried not to get too much into it, but as you heard in the intro, uh, Phil Shellhammer, the director of the Greenhouse Outdoor Recreation Program is here with us. Phil, how are you doing today? I'm great, Jason. How are you? Doing pretty good. Uh, okay. Can we start with the first thing, which is uh, Greenhouse Outdoor Recreation Program is a little mm -hmm. bit of a mouthful. So yes. from here on out, we're just going to refer to it as GORP. Yes. Okay, so when whoever came up with that name, the first, uh, the thing that they forgot to do was like realize what the word was going to be when you shorten it all down into the initials. <laughs> um, well, well, I'll tell you, I kind of like it, right? Because it, it ties back to my, like my youth. My dad used to make a scorp before going camping. Because gorp was good old raisins and peanuts, right? Mm -hmm. And so we'd put raisins and peanuts and M&Ms into a big Ziploc bag, and that's what our trail mix was when we went. So seeing that become the acronym, and it kind of fits in with the with the topic, it kind of felt like it was a good good tool. Right now, we're trying to figure out if we can create some private label giveaways of trail mix with our branding on it. But uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so that sort of like rolls into a little bit of your background of like merchandising and strategy, right? Um, in in industry, uh, taking something like the word gorp and being like, hey, we can sort of 
flex this around a little bit to make it work in our favor. I like it. I like that a lot. Uh, all right. So the big question about it, about all this, is what is GORP? What is the Greenhouse Outdoor Recreation Program? Sure. Um, the, the GORP, right, um, is, it's in essence, a business incubator. This is about how do we help um, startups, entrepreneurs, people who have an idea or a problem to solve, determine the right solution and build a potential business that's got, a, got the best chance to be successful. All right, we think about incubation as the early stage of, I know there's a problem that needs solved, all the way through to, I'm ready to launch this as a business, as an entity, as an organization to go do what I wanted to do. And every step in between, whether it be, you know, who's their customer or what the business model is, all those different pieces need to be done. And our goal is to, to create a atmosphere and ecosystem for them to be able to build that. Now, what's unique about us, because there's tons of incubators out there, what's unique about us is we focus on outdoor recreation specifically. And so all of our focus is in specifically in problems and solutions within outdoor recreation. Yeah. So like the incubator concept is not something brand new. Like they've been doing this in Silicon Valley. They've been doing this for all kinds of, as you mentioned, like entrepreneurship uh, you know, areas. So what makes this unique is that it's based solely in that outdoor recreation. So when you're saying outdoor recreation, like what do you mean? Well, we try and define it and then I keep it really broad just to make sure I don't miss anything. All right. We see outdoor recreation, um, um, we think first of the enjoyment of the outdoors in some way, right? And now there's a whole bunch of different things that could come into play there. And so we start to limit on ourselves. For instance, um, if an entrepreneur comes to us with a really great snowboard, we want to help because we want to help somebody who's doing something around that space. But the truth of the matter is I'm in the middle of Arkansas and we don't have snow, <laughs> but we, we had some this year for the first, we had some actually pretty good snow this year, but, but nothing that's going to stick and nothing's going to turn into, you know, ski sports or anything. So, so there's certain areas we don't focus on only because that doesn't make a lot of sense to us for our particular region of the country. Um, on top of that, then, you know, there's other outdoor activities that happen to turn more into organized sports. We tend to shy away from that. And so the best way I have described it is we're basically talking about stuff that's sold at REI or Bass Pro or services that uses stuff sold at REI or Bass Pro, or maybe enhancements to your experience of using stuff sold at REI or Bass Pro, right? And that starts to wrap around those two brands. You can start to get your head wrapped around where we're focusing, cycling and camping and hiking and fishing and hunting. Um, those are the core um, categories that are sold to those retailers and the core activities that we're going to focus on here. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's a really broad range of different activities that that you can sort of tie something into because it's not just like you said, someone could bring the idea of, you know, a new piece of equipment uh, and that's something you want to develop, but it could also be a, like, as you said, a service that uses said equipment. So that's just a very broad umbrella of every possibility that's out there. It, it is, um, you know, and including, you know, digital solutions, a couple of our first cohort companies are actually on the digital space, right? Trying to solve in, in an app-based or a, or a web-based model. Um, we want to keep it broad um, for a few reasons. One is our particular region is trying to make sure we support local entrepreneurs who are trying to build services businesses around, you know, um, the outdoor rec that's happening around here, right? And so we want to help those local entrepreneurs that may never scale to a global brand or a national brand, but are work, working on solving problems for people locally in a service-related way. 
But we also want to, and know we have plenty of entrepreneurs that want to figure out how to build from scratch something that could be a national or global brand, something that could solve this problem for people, whatever it is, throughout the world. Um, and so we've built it in a way that allows for anybody to come and ask. Now, over time, we're learning uh, what things, what tools does the product development company need versus the services versus the digital company, right? They're different tools. Um, and so we're, we're pulling that together now. It's a relatively new program. Um, but in the meantime, we wanted to welcome all because we want to support the outdoor recreation as a full entity. So if you could just give like a real quick rundown of like, how do, what are the steps in place for this program to get into the program to, you know, the steps that are typically sort of broadly taking place in the program and then what the expected steps are afterwards? Sure. Um, so uh, it's probably important to start with with how we were funded, right? So we were funded by a grant. Um, and because we're funded by a grant, all of this is free to the entrepreneurs that come to us. Um, and so we think of it as two different versions of GORP, right? The first version, call it a la carte. Um, as you need us, you can come and ask for help, right? Somebody may come to us because they heard we were doing a speaker series on uh, the trail system in Arkansas. So they come to our, our speaker series, they hear someone talk about the trail system, they say, wow, it's really interesting to learn something. Then they might reach out to me for consulting help because they need help um, with their business idea and what they want to work on, right? And then they might need, uh, you know, to, to, to talk to somebody about how do I create a financial model around this or how do I go build a prototype? Whatever it is, a la carte, as you need it, people can come to us and go. But then twice a year, what we've created is the second version of GORP, which is a, a true kind of traditional incubator uh, or, or accelerator model, right? It's a 12-week intensive program where we bring a select group of companies based on their application process. I can talk about that in a second, but companies will apply and we'll select a group through that program to go through a much more intensive program. Then we're providing them the typical, you know, uh, workshops and training. Uh, we're providing them consulting and support, but we're adding to that a team of mentors that are helping them work through their company and work through the challenges they're having. We're adding to that a free intern from the university, which gives them basically free labor um, to help support their work uh, through that through that semester, through that 12-week timeframe. We're adding to that even financial support. We're giving each of those companies up to $15,000 of non-dilutive seed funding. That's basically free money, right, for them to be able to get their businesses, their ideas, their program off the ground launched and, and give them the best chance of success possible. So what is that sort of application process? I mean, is it literally anyone can put an application in or are we, I mean, obviously we want to try to stay outdoor rec related, but like, I mean, is it literally anyone can go about this? Yeah. So, so the answer, the short answer is yes. Now I'll, I'll, I'm going to clarify with, I've been on the job about four and a half months, which we're in the middle of our first cohort now. So we're still figuring it out. Right. I like to say we're building the plane as we're flying it, right? So we don't have it all figured out yet, but we want to open it up to the broader community as a whole. And I say community broader than just Northwest Arkansas. Um, we want to open it up to the outdoor recreation community. It says, hey, if you have an idea and you need help, here's an opportunity. The question that I still haven't answered yet, and I won't be able to answer here on this podcast, is um, how far away can they be? And how are we going to address somebody who applies? I had, in our first application process, we put it out there, no marketing whatsoever, put it in for a couple of weeks in the middle of December. And, and we had quite a few people apply, plenty of companies that could have filled this cohort a couple of times with really strong models, ready to at the right stage and needing our help. Right? Not all of them were from Northwest Arkansas. I had one apply as, as far away as California. Right? And so as we had started to get this, there would be more people interested in applying from elsewhere. But the question is going to be how important is face-to-face -face going to be? Right, being here versus being somewhere else. 
How important is being the mentors face-to-face? -face? How important is it, um, is it to our community? Because part of this is, a, is an economic development opportunity for our area as well, right? For the companies to be located at least during the cohort, if not longer in this particular region. And, and those answers just haven't been answered yet. Yeah, so I mean, I guess in my uh, view of what a traditional incubator would be, right? Like you, I think of it as, you know, in Silicon Valley, you have like some people that work for like Facebook or Google or whatever, like lower level employees, they're living in the same house, working on their side projects, right? Their side business outside of work hours, uh, so that hopefully they can, you know, start their own, you know, brand new startup and make their millions or billions of dollars like Zuckerberg or, you know, anyone like that. Um, sure. So in that instance, you know, they're, they're throwing ideas off each other. They're sort of helping each other out a little bit. Um, so that's sort of that face-to-face -face part that you're talking about. Like, is that going on right now with the program? Like everyone's sort of helping each other out if they need it or bouncing an idea off each other, things like that? Yeah, there's a, there's a ton of value. So I have four companies in the first cohort, right? And these four companies, one of them is a digital app. One of them is a digital website build a two-sided marketplace. One of them is a local service, uh, a bike rental service. And one of them is a product development company. They're building a new product and climbing, right? Four very, very unique companies with all different problems and challenges, each one needing their own unique um, answers to their problems, right? But what's interesting and what we found very quickly is they got to know each other's businesses really quickly and have been feeding off each other exactly like you're talking about. They are talking about each other's business. They're sharing what, what one's doing over here. They're going and renting so-and-so's bikes to try them out and give them feedback on the experience, right? They're, they're supporting each other throughout it. And, and what we hope is over time, these cohorts become collaborative accountability mechanisms, right? To keep themselves in check, to become, you know, being an entrepreneur is super lonely. Right. And so to have a group of people that you're going through it with, even if you're not working on the same business together, is extremely valuable. And so, yeah, so having that face to face, having being together, what we do is every Thursday night for three hours, everybody sits around the greenhouse and we work through trainings and accountability sessions and other pieces as a group. And that's become a cohesive team of people, even though they're working on four different unique businesses. That's cool. That, that you know your business doesn't have to be exactly the same as someone else's or what you're trying to build doesn't have to be exactly the same as someone else for you to learn something from another person, right? Sure. Um, even just that little bit of input of what you might consider out of the box thinking, but for them is very real in the box for their structure might cause a tweak for you that might make it a little bit better or solve a problem that you're having. So that makes a whole lot of sense. You've been mentioning quite a few times now the sort of sort of local flavor, local aspect uh, that you're that you're sort of trying to build there in the in the region. Um, Bentonville, Arkansas, right? Like, how many people have heard of Bentonville, Arkansas? Um, why Bentonville, Arkansas? What is it about that location that you feel benefits this incubator? Sure. There's quite a few, actually. So if you've heard of Bentonville, Arkansas, the first time you heard of it was probably because they had a home of the headquarters of Walton, of Walmart, right? The Stan Walton built Walmart in, I don't know, 50 some years ago um, and started right here in Bentonville. And their headquarters are located here. And there's a ton of people here in town that all work for, for, for Walmart. Um, that's what we're first known for. Um, but because of Walmart, what has happened is there's an entire... Um, uh, a family, the Walton family, right, that has been extremely supportive of this region. 
um, and that support amongst others, because not just them, but others within our, our community, um, has turned our community into literally one of the best places to live in the United States. Um, and if you go look up some of those, you know, rankings, wherever you'll find that Bentonville or North or Arkansas has talked about quite a bit, simply because the quality of life, the um, the quality of uh, of um, of education and um, uh, job opportunities. I think we have one of the lowest. I mean, our our, our unemployment rate's crazy low. Um, the opportunities you get to do that they have built this community into a place people just want to live. And there's there's a massive benefit to it because it, Walmart right wants to hire people and they want to bring talent from all over the world into this area. And you better make it an area people want to move to. And I moved here 12 years ago for Walmart. And my answer back then was uh, Arkansas, really? <laughs> right? And now ask me, and I'm not going anywhere. There's no way. This place is too great of a place to live to do that. Now, now, what did that turn into? Well, what that turned into is um, a couple of the grandchildren um, from the Walton family supported heavily the mountain biking industry. They love it. They love enjoyed the 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 activity as a whole, um, and they started building around this area a cycling community that I would gladly put up against anybody um, in any other town in the, in the U.S. It, it's amazing the amount of opportunity you have for cycling around here, the engagement of our entire community in cycling, and then mountain biking specifically. Now, if you know mountain biking, then you have heard of Bentonville because now it is truly one of the places to visit. Um, you've got Moab, you've got, you've got um, you know, Colorado, and then you've got Bentonville. And it sounds crazy, but there's a ton of people that are moving here just to ride that are coming here on the weekends, that are coming here for long extended days, professional bikers that can see the cyclists, that can see this as a 24 seven, 365 place to ride on some amazing trails. And then when they want to do the big downhills, then they can go somewhere else. This has become a, a hub of activity, specifically around mountain biking, but, but definitely, you know, the broader opportunities as well. Yeah, I mean, when I think of outdoor recreation, um, I, I know that that Arkansas has a, a very proud hunting tradition. I know that there's uh, a pretty proud fishing tradition down there, um, general outdoorsmanship type things. But as far as like the broad outdoor recreation landscape, I wasn't, I was thinking like really Arkansas uh, and, you know, at your sort of uh, encouragement and then also just out of curiosity, like, okay, what's going on in Bentonville that like that we would have an incubator for outdoor rec. So in my quick little, just, little bit of research I did. I mean, there's 22 parks and over 50 miles of trails, which many of those trails are mountain bike trails. So the outdoor rec that's available there, I mean, that that's a lot for what I would consider like a, a, a little bit more of a smaller town or smaller city atmosphere. Yeah. And, and just out of curiosity, the numbers you just gave, is that specific to Bentonville? Yeah. Specific to Bentonville. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So now, now if you take that, and you expand beyond Bentonville because there's three other towns. There's um, Rogers, there's Springdale, and there's Fayetteville that make up Northwest Arkansas. This was the big four, right? Each one of those are embracing it, cycling specifically, right? And kind of the outdoor rec scene um, as, as much as you're trying to keep up with, with the Bentonville side. And so now all of a sudden you have this massive corridor of outdoor rec activity specifically around cycling. That's, that's huge. And that's caused us to have, you know, massive percentages of people riding to work, right? I could ride from uh, from my office down Fayetteville at the university up here to my office. I'm sitting here now at Bentonville, completely on a trail the whole way, um, and never and never have to get off the trail. And, and then there's offshoots. That's called the Razorback Greenway. And there's offshoots all over the place. All right. So that's that's just cycling. But if you go broader to the state of Arkansas, now you're talking about world class 
fly fishing. Um, uh, um, and I'm just completely blanking on the river now. Um, uh, that's terrible. Um, so I'll come back to that. Real class fly fishing. Um, you, you talked about the hunting piece already. Um, camping and hiking are, are massive activities that are done quite a bit around. The Ozark Mountains are not the Rockies from a size standpoint, but they are gorgeous. And they are a great activity for people to get to. And it's really accessible. And I can get there in a couple hours. I can be in the middle of nowhere, right? And enjoying um, as beautiful trails and, and, and backcountry campsites, you know, um, as, as you can find anywhere in the country. And the natural state is what our, our motto, our state name is, right? And it's known because... This is the place that a whole bunch of the Midwest all comes down to to experience that outdoor activity. And this becomes that hub of activity for fly fishing, fishing as a whole, hunting, camping, hiking, um, tons of water sport activities. Um, the Buffalo River is the first national river that's mainly known for floating and for canoeing and floating and smallmouth. Um, it's, it's great, uh, great floating along there. And then you add to it cycling. And what I think the next the next cycling activity around here is actually going to be climbing. What the state is doing right now around mountain climbing, rock climbing, is, um, is really expanding on a sport that this region already knows has the best crags, and the best routes between, say, the Appalachians and the Rockies. It's in Arkansas. And most people would never realize it, except that, you know, there's a ranch here that does a, a massive climb event that's world-renowned. And there's a ton of uh, private and public crags that are allowing people to come and climb and experiencing a, a high growth sport anyways um, in a part of the country most people wouldn't realize has that great um, climbing activity. You know, I, I can't say that uh, Bentonville, Arkansas, or Arkansas at all was even on my radar as like a vacation spot or a spot that I'd be interested to go. But the more I hear you talk about the outdoor recreation opportunities, um, it just, it, all of a sudden now it's like creeping up that list. Like, oh yeah. Okay. You know, I want to, uh, I'd like to see, you know, um, you know, the black Hills and, uh, there's, you know, a couple other places that I would like to see, you know, national parks, Yosemite, um, you know, places like that. And then it's like, well, you know what, maybe Arkansas might be climbing up that list a little bit. That's, that, that's, it's, it's interesting for someone like me, um, in the Northern Appalachian, uh, state of Pennsylvania, where it's like that, I'm not going to think of Arkansas as a place to visit unless, you know, I have family there or something, which I don't. Um, but it definitely has something to offer. Yeah. And, and most people wouldn't, wouldn't think of it, but if you start to put together, um, the outdoor activity for sure. Right. And the other pieces that, of the puzzle, honestly, the, the Walton family and others have invested heavily in here. This is a place to, this is a place not only to visit, but to live. And what we're finding around here is that more and more people are coming here and checking out and they are shocked at how much is available here. And, you know, one of our cohort companies, they were living out of an RV for two years, drove all over the country, lived all over the place in RV land and loving the kind of the COVID world of just live wherever you want, right? They make it here in June. By September, they bought a house, right? By January, they start a new company. Right? That's happening on a regular basis. Our people are now, of course, you have the bigger problems now of nobody can, can buy a, find a house to buy because everyone's bought them all up. Our housing prices are going up. That's great. But you can't, if you sell, you can't buy anywhere else because there's nothing available, right? Those are good problems to have because we can't build fast enough. On top of the outdoor recreation, we have world-class other, right? World-class other, I would say, is um, we have an amazing research facility in the University of Arkansas down in Fayetteville, right? That's been there for a long time. We could use to expand its outreach and its capabilities. Um, the Alice Walton built um, what's called Crystal Bridges, which is the best collection of American art in the country. It's an amazing art museum. It's 
Literally, I can walk to it from my office right now. Um, it's right here close to downtown Bentonville and attracts people from all over the world to see some of the most famous pieces of work by American artists ever collected anywhere. Right? We have all that to provide a amazing experience. And you're right, most people I have to convince over and over again, it's like, no, no, you wanna come, you wanna see it. But it's you know, and that's, that's a good thing because I mean, people wanna bash corporations a lot. And I'll be honest, I'm one of them, right? Um, the greed of corporations and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but gotta give credit where credit's due. I mean, the Walton family, I mean, they're making their money, but it's nice to see them giving back uh, you know, to their local community as much as they have to make it the best place. Now, is it, like you said, is that a little self-serving? You know, you want people to work for you. You got to make the area, but there's, they're still doing it, right? Like there was a long time in our American history where uh, these, you know, corporate owners uh, didn't care what their company towns were like. They, you know, people need a job. They were going to come anyways. Uh, and it's good to see that the, that some people in, in corporations are doing you know, sort of putting their, their money where their mouth is and, and helping give back in places like that. That's great. And, and I'd be, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that they're not the only ones, right? They're definitely the largest of the funders because of, of where they come from. But we have three large companies here in Tyson and J.B. Hunt as well. Um, and all of those attract um, talented people. The Walmart piece alone has, we have so many suppliers that sell into Walmart, right? And oftentimes Walmart's their biggest customer. And so their best talent comes to live here to sell into Walmart as well, right? And so you have talented people from the large CPG companies, large food companies from all over the world that also live here and realize how great this place is. And I can, I can tell you from experience, many of them come, do their three-year stint, and when the company says, hey, I want you to move to nowhere somewhere else to go call on somebody else, they'll be like, no, we want to stay because this is the area my family wants to be. This is where we want to live. This is the, the type of community we want to live in because the quality of life is just so good. All right, so this has turned into like an infomercial for Bentonville, Arkansas, which listen, that's not a bad thing. Um, but let, let's get back to GORP a little bit here. Um, why, why does the University of Arkansas want to support an incubator like this? Like, you know, yeah. I feel like, I mean, I know the importance of the outdoor recreation industry, billions of dollars a year, um, and but that's because I'm invested in it. I, I take part in a lot of those activities, but I feel like the greater population sort of poo-poos a little bit, the outdoor rec, like the contributions. So what, what, what is it about GORP specifically that the University of Arkansas is like, you know what, we need to get in on this. Let's, let's help out. Sure. Uh, I, there's a few, right? So the university didn't just start entrepreneurship support recently, right? They've been building, um, through what's called the Office of Entrepreneurship and Innovation, they've been building for years a support structure to help students, faculty, staff, and alumni create innovation, however you want to describe it, right? Um, oftentimes it turns into, how do I take my research and make it into something commercializable? Or a student saying, I want to change, make a change in the world around this problem, how do I go about it? And so we've built up this amazing structure and support structure for the entire university out of this office to help students, faculty, alumni, and staff really think through those problems and solve them. Well, now that we've built this structure, now the question for the university was, how can we start to impact our community outside of our university community? How do we start to impact the world around us? The, um, the, the Fayetteville's 20 minutes south of me, um, which is where the university is located. I'm up in Bentonville right now. In Bentonville, those connections weren't always made and they're only 20 minutes away. 
right? But the university said, look, we want to be more involved in what's going on with the industry around here. We want to be more involved with what's happening with 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 the uh, with the with the, the the supporters of our larger economic development changes that are happening, which are not just on outdoor, rec outdoor recreation like we talked about, but there's a massive effort around uh, healthcare right now, and there's a ton of other pieces coming um, that our major funders are really getting passionate about. The university said, we want to be a part of that. We want to help. We have this skill set. How can we come to the table and bring that to the table? And, and incubation was an ideal spot to do it. We can come up here. We can bring all the tools we already have. We can grab the mentors and the skills and the alumni we have there all throughout in, in this particular industry around us. We can pull them together and create a program that would actually help people. And I'd be remiss if I didn't say that that's, Outdoor Rec's only the first one they're going to do. Like the university built the greenhouse, which is, you know, greenhouse outdoor recreation program is one program, but we have the greenhouse, which is going to be an incubator for multiple industries. And as we go into other spaces, biotech, medical device will be one. There'll be some kind of software, software as a service, maybe play Web 3.0, right? There'll be other areas which has our community interested in wanting to build and create and solve that the university can come and say, we can help you do that. We're going to create an incubator structure of some kind to help you do that. Yeah, I feel like that is a common theme among a lot of the larger universities in the United States. Like, there for the longest time, it seemed like universities just sort of existed in their own little bubble. They did their own little thing. They sent people out, right, after we educated them or provided them research opportunities, then we send them out into the world to do their thing. Um, but it seems like now universities are trying to sort of, as you mentioned, sort of like extend that reach out into the community and try to help out around and sort of have these tentacles out in place so that they can, as you said, sort of impact what's going on around them a little bit and be a part of the solution in communities. I think the university model requires the industry and the community around them to need them, right? That's obvious. But, and so um, if, if the best opportunities the university can provide our region is talent, right? Through graduating talent and research and upfront research, and I'll have to think of a third one, but let's start with those two, right? Then we got to be training people that the community around us needs to and wants to hire, right? Which means they need to have certain skill sets, they need to have certain understanding. Um, if it's outdoor recreation, for instance, because we're building an entire hub of, of manufacturing services around outdoor recreation right here, then the university needs you providing that talent that can walk into those jobs, to walk into those businesses and make a difference. Right. And add value. Right. At the same time, back at the university research wise, we can be doing any random research you want and they do a ton down there. Right. But if it's supportive of what's happening in our greater community and it can help the smaller, medium or large sized companies that are in our community succeed or find better solutions to whatever that problem is, then the university, university should step up and be able to stand in and say, I can we can help. And here's how. Um, I think the connection of a program like GORP is just taking you know, funders, the Walton family paid for this particular program with the university and saying, let's put that together so we're supporting what's going on in our community. Um, so both of us are supporting what's going on in our community in a big way. And that's what that's what they created with this and, and other programs like it um, that are being done. So what what does success look like for GORP? Like what do you determine as we've had a successful session or after a couple of years, we've been successful in what we're trying to accomplish here. Yeah, um, you know, because they're early stage companies. These are all pre-launch, pre-revenue. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the best thing to be able to point to would be, you know, 
a year down the road, these companies are launched and they're rolling and they got 20% month over month growth, right? We, we see their success. They're getting invested in that they're about scalability, whatever the case is. We can see those metrics. And there's metrics that we would measure to do that. But anecdotally, I want a company to be able to turn to me during the program, and this is what they're telling me right now, and say, I could not have moved nearly as fast as I'm able to move because of what you guys are providing. I can't get, I could not have got to where I need to go without the resources and the mentors and the financial support and all these different pieces because now I, my, my ability to move quicker and to get my business up and running is better and my chance of success is considerably better. If we're able to help someone move quicker to a problem solved and be in the market with that problem and on top of that, make their, their odds of success greater, that, that's a massive win for us. And whatever metrics come out of that to make that work, we're good with that. So right now you have four companies uh, in the in the incubator at the moment. Um, I, I know that there's a cap, right? Like there, you anything in this sort of sense, like you hit a point where too many people is going to be bad because then you can't give enough attention to each individual person uh, or each individual company. So like, where is that cap? What is it? Is it four or is it eight or is it? 12, or are we still sort of figuring that out at this point? Uh, I think we're still figuring it out. If you look around to, you know, accelerators and incubators that are around, regardless of the industry, right, you'll typically see eight, eight company programs, 12 company programs, 10, right, somewhere in that number. Those seem right. You need enough, so there's lots of conversation happening, and the co-founders are working together and getting to know each other better. You can't have too many so that it's, you know, uh, ridiculous to kind of get your arms around. The biggest value of most of these programs is the mentor piece itself. So there is a little bit of a cap to how many mentors can you get involved in a program? Some of these massive incubators and accelerators are doing a great job of just having a huge network of mentors to be able to plug into these companies, right? But until we can have that massive list, there's my biggest cap is, is the who I bring in to be able to support because I need them to be quality. I need them to be able to, to engage and make sure they're dedicating the time needed to. Um, the question, uh, the questions we don't know yet are how many is it gonna be in the, the day? I don't know. Um, how often are we going to do it right now? It's twice a year. That seems to make sense for us from a timing standpoint. But should we have different programs designed for different types of businesses? Does a small mom and pop shop type launch um, need different things rolling up to launch in their kind of incubation than a, than a product development company? The answer is yes. But do they need it enough that we need two different versions being run to help those two things? That answer we don't know yet. Right. Uh, so, I mean, with this, like, what, what do you see? You have these four companies. What do you see as success for them? I mean, I know you said like any year from now, right? Like you, you see, like you have certain metrics you're hoping they're hitting in a year or a year and a half, but like when they are done on the last day of court, what would you consider a success when you look at how the program was run for, for this first time? I mean, April 21st, right? I want them all to stand up for the community because we're gonna do a little event here and a little graduation piece forever. I would like them to stand up there and, and go, I, my goal for the 12 weeks was to accomplish these things. They, I gave them all give me goals at the beginning so I knew what their goals were at the beginning, right? I'd love for them to step and say, I reached the goal and then some, right? We went faster than we thought we could. Um, I am that much closer to launch. One of our companies actually took a revenue already, so they're a little past launch, but they're still figuring stuff out, right? So but whatever that looks like, we're that much closer because I went through this program. My definition of my solution is that much better because I went through this program. 
at some point, and I don't want this, not these four companies, because these four companies are going to be good, but at some point, I'm perfectly fine with an entrepreneur going through the program and going, Gorp helped me stop what was going to be a bad business, right? Because because that's okay too. Now, we, we hopefully we're going to pick the, you know, the founders that have already got past the, is this really a good idea or not stage to be in the cohort, but but I'm okay with helping the entrepreneur decide the right decision for them. And so wherever we can help them, that, that, that gets really touchy-feely. That's, not, that's hard to measure and put metrics against. But, but, but I'd, I'd, I'd love it if at some point we can point to an example of somebody who said, because of Gorp, I pivoted the entire thing to this instead because that was the better opportunity and not what I was going down. I would have, I would have, passed, I would have gone down this idea for two years trying to solve it because of what, what the mentors provide, because of what the training provide, because of what Gorp provided. We made this pivot and now we're going here and this is what it's going to be. And I can see the success coming. And that's, that's what we're hoping for. That, that's high level stuff there. And I think it shows that, you know, this is not some fly by night thing, right? Like this is something that's been well thought out and is continually being thought about, right? To try to make it the best it can be. Uh, so I think, I, I really feel like this is going to be something that's going to benefit the outdoor rec community uh, in the long run, right? Especially as you continue to go. Um, if someone's listening to this, one of these listeners thinking like, man, I, you know what? I've had this idea for six years and I want to get it off the ground. Um, this sounds like the opportunity I've been looking for. Like what, what can that person do to try to apply? Um, well, so the first thing we just say is just, just reach out and meet me. Right. Um, remember there's two versions of Gorp. There's the a la carte version of whenever you need help, we're there to help. And so we've talked about the four companies that are in the cohort, but the truth is I've had tens of entrepreneurs, let's call it maybe 40, 50 different ideas come across my desk in the first four months I've been here of just people. And we've done no marketing. of just people in our own community just coming through saying, here's a problem I want to solve. Here's the solution I think is interesting. Here's something that you know, somebody drops a little prototype on my desk and says, this is what I'm going to build. Great. What's it do? Right. And all of, like I've had that. I've had lots of that and they keep coming, which is awesome. Right. And so we're there to support at that level. What's the problem? What's the idea? How can we help? Right. And the hope is, is that throughout the year, I'm talking to people and kind of building up the understanding of of the main tools that we would use, the main um, the, the, the main, uh, I think, support structure that that's that's copy and paste and replicable for every company and that they would get you go. things like, you know, let's talk about your business model. And we use a tool called Clean Canvas because it's a business model page or let's talk about customer discovery because we believe wholeheartedly and truly understanding your users early, early, early and understanding the real problem. Right. Those conversations can happen way before the cohorts, right? And then at some point, we've prepped companies and entrepreneurs well enough to say, okay, this is a legit idea. Okay, I think the users, this is the real problem we're trying to solve. Okay, I, I see what the model's gonna look like, but I need a whole lot between that phase, prototyping, MVP, launch, and the cohort's the right place for me, so now I'm ready to apply, right? And so the pre-conversation helps a ton because it gets people ready for that stage of, okay, now I'm ready to actually apply. Um, and then the applications are much more clean. They're actually, you know, further along, they can articulate their story in a much better way because we've had a lot of that conversation ahead of time. And if, for those listening, if you're interested in uh, reaching out, the, just look in the episode details. Uh, the website's there. You can find all the contact information you need uh, for Gorp. Uh, Phil, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, this is a great opportunity. And I've actually, you know, talked to one of your uh, founders that you have in the program right now. And his idea is awesome. Something that is like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to be the guy that like 
drops what's going on right for the public before he's ready. So I'm not going to say what it is, but it's one of those things that for someone like me, I'm, uh, he says the idea and it's like, how does that not exist already? Like, how do we not already have this in place? Uh, so I'm excited to see some of the stuff that comes out of Gorp and some of the, the products that come out, some of the you know, services that come out that people can utilize to make their own outdoor recreation experience even better than what it currently is. So uh, this is great. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. And uh, good luck with working with these people and good luck with that graduation. Thanks. Thanks, Jason. I appreciate you joining, having me join. That will do it for another episode. I really had a great time talking to Phil and learning about GORP, the Greenhouse Outdoor Recreation Program. Uh, it's awesome to see a university like the University of Arkansas focus on the outdoor industry and trying to help with new innovations. Uh, they just finished up their first incubator and this is, as GORP evolves, this is going to be something that's going to be huge for the outdoor industry. We need to do more to help smaller businesses or startups in the outdoor industry to meet customer needs. That's how we're going to grow the outdoor industry, is by meeting the customer's needs and these newer customers. You know, we think about these you know, older, or at least I think about these older organizations, these older businesses, Realtree, um, REI, Patagonia, and while they still make great quality products, they're still rooted in traditional business models that you know go back decades. Sometimes it takes that sort of fresh new look from these new startups, and what a better way to learn and really evolve and make your business the best that it can be for day one than an incubator like GORP. Thank you for joining me for this episode, Phil. I really appreciate it. Thank you all for listening. This was uh, one that I hope everyone really enjoyed because I just enjoyed it so much. And until you listen next week, do me a favor, get outside, take someone with you, and stay wild.